0: welcome welcome once again to the secrets of the high demand coach podcast and i am here with yet another high demand coach and that is phil fraser Phil went from a kitchen table startup with zero investment all the way to a multi-million pound sale to a publicly traded company 18 years later. As part of that journey, he was a regular keynote speaker. He was an industry conference chairman and a creator of his sector's industry awards. Well, today, Phil works with ambitious small and medium enterprise owners as a business sounding board. I hope to unpack that a little bit with you here, Phil. Uh, But he helps leaders to discover that it does not have to be lonely at the top. So Phil, uh, again, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, Before we got on, I told Phil that his smile has already warmed up my day. So if you're listening to this, go back and watch the video because uh, it's, it's, um, it's infectious. You'll find yourself smiling very quickly. Uh, But Phil, I want to talk about this business sounding board and what you're doing to help your clients. But before we get there, I'd love to just kind of unpack this story a little bit. Tell us what you were doing before becoming a business sounding board, before coaching, and how did that ultimately lead to what you do now?
1: Yeah. Hi. Um, Thanks for the big build up there. Hope hope we don't let people down. Um, So yeah, so I um, launched Accidentally, and it's a a very long story about the accident, but we accidentally launched what became um, the world's leading comparison website for online bingo. So we compared and listed all the online bingo sites initially in the US, then in the UK. Um, And I went through all the stuff that every business owner goes through from launch to growth to all the problems that are along the way, all the hiccups, you know, problems with suppliers, problems with advertising, problem with marketing, problems with staff, all those sorts of things until 18 years later, um, and again, there's a long story to that, but 18 years later, somebody came along and said, here's a bag of money. And I said, here's the keys. That's the that's the the quick version of it. Awesome. Awesome. So
0: you, you, you've had this tremendous success, story as a, as a CEO, founder yourself. Uh, how does that end up translating into the work that you do now? Yeah.
1: So um, you, you, know, you read all these business books and they're all about, you know, growth, uh, sale, exit, you know, all that sort of thing. But nobody writes the next chapter, which is, what do you do next? You know, I'm too young to go and play golf and just retire to Miami or something like that. So, so I came out the other end and really didn't know what I wanted to do. And somebody said to me, hey, you should be a you should be a business mentor. And my first response to that was, well, who the hell's gonna listen to me? I was just making it up as I was going along, which you know, business owners will recognize. Um and then over, over time, I had friends and contacts who had businesses and they were coming to me and saying, Hey, Phil, can you just help me with this idea? Can you help me with that idea? Or I'm thinking of selling. What does that look like? And people seem to get some benefit out of it. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I think I know what I'm talking about here. Um, and it's that classic thing of, you know, you don't understand your learning stuff until you say to somebody, oh, you know, everybody knows that. And I go, oh, I didn't know that. Um, So I decided, okay, well, people seem to be getting some benefit out of this advice. So, hey, why don't I try and start charging people for it? Um, And, uh, you know, that sort of imposter syndrome part of me sort of didn't want to be, call myself a, a mentor. And I always think a coach, you know, the difference between coach and mentor, I always think a coach is somebody who helps you do a skill better. So, like a sales coach or a presentation skills coach, or you know, you think of sports coaches, you will know, make you run faster, hit the ball further, that sort of thing. So what I but what I realized was I was being a business sounding board. I wasn't, I was asking questions, I wasn't giving answers. Um, and you know, from what I'd done, that whole it's lonely at the top, which it is when you own run, run your own business, you don't have somebody to go. Hey, Scott, I've got, this, I've got this idea. Does this sound really stupid? Or I've got this problem. I don't know how to solve it. Or I've got this opportunity. I don't know how to maximize it. Or I've got this problem with a member of staff. Or you know, All the shit that comes with running a business, you don't sometimes, a lot of the time, you haven't got somebody to discuss that with. So that's what I offer. And that's how it came about. Yeah.
0: And it's so true. I remember I had this kind of unique experience where I I co-founded and kind of sat in the COO role. Uh, for a company for several years, and then moved up to the CEO role, uh, and the CEO stepped out of active daily uh, business. And so, like sitting in both seats, I didn't expect it to be a big change because I, you know, you have a good COO; they're, they're typically kind of acting in that CEO capacity, you know, before you actually recognize it. So, what I did from a day-to-day basis didn't change, but that feeling of loneliness was was night and day difference it, it so surprised me and it shows up in in really little subtle ways you know people who used to be my fellow you know executive team members were now my executive team members you know and 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 you're right like there's there's just something different about it you know a lot of what founders face is what leaders face right a lot of what founders face is what business people face but there's an element to it that is very, very unique. Uh, that when you're sitting at the top of the org chart and you're also in that owner seat, right? And most, you know, small, medium enterprises don't have an active board of any sort. And and it is that it's just uh, structurally it can be a very, very lonely place. And uh, I would, looking back on my time, I would say that's probably the biggest lie out of all of them that I believed for a very long time that to be on top was to be alone. And so I love this idea of coming alongside business owners as a business sounding board. And you you kind of teased that out a little bit, but tell us what does that actually mean?
1: What is a business sounding board? Okay, so um, the the simplest, and you can come at this sort of from one end or the other end, but, but often clients will come to me because they're stuck. And they might be stuck for different reasons. They might be strategically stuck. They might have a big problem or... They may want to get to the next level, but don't know how to do it. You know, they, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of what I talk about sometimes is, you know, what got you here won't get you there. Mm. So yeah, we've got to, you know, I know a million dollars turnover. How do we get to two? How do we get to three? How do we get to five, ten, or whatever it might be? And you know, one of the beauties, or one of the sort of key aspects of of being a business owner is usually you've got a bit of ego because you know conceptually you've said, hey, I can do it better. Give it here, i'll I'll do a better version of it, But that then clashes with um having to hold your hand up and go, "I need some help." so you know the the business owner or or the leader has to get to the point where, as you said, it feels like it has to be lonely at the top, and it but it's not a sign of weakness to say, "I need some help. It's actually yeah. a sign of strength. Yeah, now, none of us have all the answers. so, why don't I speak to somebody who's been there and done it and got the battle scars and can help me. And, and, you know, the, the beauty of my role is pretty much the same things come along all the time. So Mm. when you're sat there, when you Scott, you're sat there as CEO and you think, Oh my God, I'm the only CEO who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. All the other CEOs don't know what they're doing as well, but they've, yeah, they've got a problem with their staff. They've got a problem with their strategy. Yeah. All it's the same sort of things. So, and I had it as well. And a lot of what I do is I talk to people about things that I've done as well. So I've been in that chair where I've thought, shit, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, I'm going to have to get somebody in. And, and sort of looking back on my career, I had at least four different external people who came into the business to help me. So yeah. it's not a sign of weakness to say, I need some help. It's, just, it's to say, right, we're going to get better
0: yeah and I want to tease that out a little bit as well because uh, you're right there's this uh, there's this basic requirement for entrepreneurs of going out and doing something that you shouldn't do right like uh, the the odds are against you uh, who who actually thinks that they can do it better right like there's there's a little bit of a like yeah I got this figured out that that's necessary to succeed but then it can get in the way as well so how do you how do you discern that? like this is the magic of an entrepreneur to go out and do things that you know quote unquote shouldn't be done or shouldn't be possible and what is the narcissism of the entrepreneur right that needs to be kept in check how how do you draw that line
1: i think uh, from from my point of view in my business i think that they they ha- my clients have self filtered in that they wouldn't come to me until they've decided right i don't know everything I've got to put my ego in the box a little bit. I've got to drop the narcissism. I need some help. So it yeah. becomes self-selecting. I think it hits people in the face when they get to that point where they say, I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here. Or, I'm stuck. It's usually yeah. stuck. I'm stuck in, in lots of different ways. But it's, it's often simple things that, that cause that trigger. So I've had clients who come to me and said, I've just fallen out of love with my business. It's such a pain in the ass. I need some help. Or people who've said, you know, I want to grow the business, I don't know how to do it. Or even, you know, I think I want to put a plan in place to exit the business. You've done it. What do I need to put in place? But what I always do with all my clients, whatever they come to me with, is I start with something that is sort of borrowed from Stephen Covey's seven habits which is one of his habits, and it's a brilliant business book. If you haven't read it, everybody should read it. Anybody who's listening to this, watching this, read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. One of them is start with the end in mind. Yeah. So I start with clients and say, okay, what does perfect look like in a year's time? Mm. And people like, oh, that's a really simple question. And you go, no, you know, what, what would be perfect? And they go, I know, $5 million sales. And you go, okay, let's put a plan in place to deliver that. What do you need to do to do that? They mm. go, well, I'll need, you know, more products, I'll need more production capacity, I'll need a new sales director, whatever it might be. You go, okay, if that's the case, what do you need to do to put that in place? And you just dr- drill down. It's like I have a five-step plan that I use, which I call the phrase a five-step. So very childishly, when I write it, I can write FFS. It doesn't work verbally, it works written. <laughs> And it just it just waterfalls down to minutia, and you go right. Okay, you flip the whole plan upside down, and you start at the bottom, and it leads to where your target is. And again, a lot of what I do feels very simplistic. It's just me looking from the outside in, and the business owner, as many of us are as business owners, is too close to the business to see the problem. Yeah, yeah. Or the person that they're getting advice from. Has a, usually a subconscious bias that, you know, using another phrase, is you know, nobody will tell you your baby's ugly. From a, on a business perspective, so you know that's just a really shit idea. That's a shit problem. I don't say that, but I, I and this is where I don't think I'm a coach or a mentor because I ask questions and bounce it back to the client, and the client comes up with the ideas, and the client mm. comes up with the answer. The client goes, "Do you know you're right? That is a whatever it is, a shit idea." Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the question was. Did I answer? Question? You did. You did.
0: Yeah, I, and I, I think that's uh, yeah. I think that's helpful. Um, I, I, there's there's another element that kind of keeps popping up, and I know it's part of my story, and I, I hear it kind of in undertones in what you're sharing. Is I thought that to have a good team around me was enough, right? Uh, and and what I've found both with my team and um, and, you know, with working with others is even if you have a great team, there tend to be these two kind of equal but opposite, you know, follies in the team, right? That show up, not not all the time, not systemically, but you kind of get this, you know, this roller coaster, if you will. One is the, no one will tell you your baby's ugly, right? It's like, you got a bunch of people who who think that you're amazing. Right. Like they, you know, they might say no every once in a while, but fundamentally they think you're right. You you know, he's he's had all this success. He's had more success than I have. He must be right. You know, and there's just a limit to their ability to challenge. And there's also the agency of if I push back too hard, like my job might be on the line. Right. Like that's just there, whether we want it to be there or not, it is. The other side of it is, you'll find folks who go out and they try and solve the the lonely problem or the the insight problem by bringing in someone, you know, who's who's maybe been there, done that, or from a bigger organization come in, and you, you get this person who's almost too big for the role, right? And and the, they say no to everything. And, and with both of those, you know, the, the yes to everything, the no to everything, it's very difficult to discern the truth. Again, from the inside of the organization. So, again, I love this idea of coming in, being that sounding board from outside the organization, right? Who's you're not enamored by the prowess of your clients, right? Like you've seen it, you've seen it all. You're not, you're also not put off by the the difficulties of that role and and their, you know, their shortcomings as leaders. So, uh, I love that you're able to do that. I think that's fantastic. Now, I want to shift gears a little but there's a question I like to ask everybody. Uh, and it's this, what's the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish every single founder leader
1: listening today knew? Um, I, th- there's, there's two actually. There's one piece I always speak tell everybody about. And there's something when you asked the question to me, I thought ah, uh, my, my first is go with your gut. Mm. In all your businesses, I mean, obviously do the research, find the data and then your gut saying, go over there, go over there, for two reasons. Number one, if you go over there and it works, fantastic. Um, if you go over there and it doesn't work, okay, hold your hands up. I was wrong, but you've got some learning. But if you don't do it, you'll just spend the rest of your life going, I wonder what would have happened if I'd done that? And it's interesting. I've, I've been to a networking event this morning, and somebody said exactly the same thing, follow you up, follow you go. The other thing is something somebody once told me, because I... You know i suffer with imposter syndrome and you know oh my god who who am i to be here in in lots of lots of issues um and actually is nobody's thinking about you that much because you think oh my god what am i wearing what are they going to say what if i say the wrong thing what if i do the wrong thing people aren't bothered yeah people just you know Get over yourself. No, I'm not saying everybody's a big head and a and, and a, a big I am. It's just we worry so much about what people think and what people say and what you know. Most people are not bothered because they've got yeah. because they're thinking about what's what people are thinking about me, what I'm doing. And they've got a hundred other things, you know. What's gonna, you know, I've got to pick my daughter up from school, I know what's for dinner, and I've got my I've got i I'm seeing the accountant tomorrow and the car's broken. And you're sitting there thinking, Jim. Yeah. Think this shirt looks a bit shit. <laughs> they're just not bothered. <laughs> So get it's so yourself.
0: true. It, it's <laughs> so true, and I think especially for you know those in our industry and in our profession, it's such a big deal, right? It, and and the more like uh, imposter syndrome is there. I mean, hundred percent of the time, it's there. It's either lurking in the background or it's right in the front and center. But you're right. Like so much of what we you know waste energy and emotion on is is just completely irrelevant. Uh, so yeah. I, I know that hit home for some folks, and I appreciate you sharing. It's a vulnerable thing to share uh, in a, a, a setting like this, and but I, it's. powerful. Powerful, and it, it needed to be said. So, thank you for doing that. Uh, one other question: I'm actually going to have you uh, uh, shift gears one more time here, um, and I'm going to have you take off your your sounding board hat, if you will, put on your CEO hat, and talk to us a little bit at this stage in your career. What uh, What's the next stage of growth look like for you, uh, both your business and you as a leader?
1: I think from from me, I'm in a, I'm in a strange position in that you know uh, I've sold the business. That the, the money driver is not there for me anymore. It doesn't need to be. So I I I want to do this because I enjoy doing it. I enjoy the, you know, I just I like business. I enjoy business. I enjoy talking to people about business. I love listening to people about their businesses. Um, so the driver for me is is on one hand, I love what I'm doing and I want to be successful doing it. On the other hand, because that and I'm I'm like a lot of people, I'm not, I wasn't money driven, but it's, it's strange not having that shit, I've got to go to work on a Monday morning feeling, which is sometimes a negative, but it's also sometimes a positive. Yeah. So if I like never have another client again, it's not an issue, but it is because I want to be, you know, I want to be successful. I want to do what I want to do. So my, that's sort of one half of it. The other half of it is, you know, coaching is a very personal thing. You, you know, this way better than I do. And it's about connecting with the right person. And you know, there's no point of having a coach or a sounding board or a mentor, whatever you want to call it, unless you connect and you understand and they're the right people. And the difficulty I've got is getting myself out there as awareness of me as a brand, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, one of the reasons I'm on here. Um, and that that's the difficulty. So I've got the difficulty of obviously building, build the brand. Um but I don't need too much work because I'm going to overdo it. But I haven't got that underlying, I have to drive it. So all those, right. I've got all these things sort of moving around at the same time. I think
0: what's surprising to folks along the journey is how how big the challenges are that are brought on by success. Right, there's inside of a business. There's the complexity of I've got 50 people that now rely on me to put food on the table. Right, like that, that's a big deal. And and even in the the stage where you're stepping away, right, you're stepping out of uh, uh, call it becoming the visionary founder again, right, of moving out of you know you're you're building your thing, you're running your thing, you're selling your thing to how do I actually go and build for others? What do you do when you don't need to do anything? Right. It's, it's, it's really challenging. It's, you know, how fast would you drive if there were no speed limits and the cops didn't, you know, uh, didn't watch It's, you know, it's getting to the place where it's like, oh no, I actually have to be fully responsible for my own actions. Right. The, the freedom of having the choice to do whatever comes with the responsibility to manage that choice. Well, and, uh, and it's, yeah, you're, you're striking on just a really, really big issue that I think a lot of people don't anticipate. And a lot of people don't really have a whole lot of grace for either. They're like, why is that a problem? You know, you have it so good. <laughs> uh, and it goes back to that whole, like you can end up being lonely all over again in such a very different way. So, uh, Phil, uh, just fantastic. Uh, love what you do. Love how you do it. Love just the, the, the heart and desire behind all of it as well. I know that's coming through for folks who are watching and listening. How can they find more out about your work and
1: and what you do? Okay. The easiest way to find me is to go to my website, which is philfraser.co.uk. Don't go to .com because philfraser.com is a medieval costume company. So if you see like pictures (laughs) of Robin Hood or that sort of stuff, that's not me. You're (laughs) on the wrong place. It's philfraser.co.uk or search me out on linkedin i'm i'm on linkedin most days and you know if there's anybody out there who wants to talk happy to talk to anybody whenever they want or search out my newsletter um you'll get five great free articles about running a business and and all sorts of stuff so sign up to the newsletter as well and you hit you see me write nonsense now that's again. awesome.
0: And so for those of us enamored by your accent on this side of the pond, that's Fraser with an S. So P-H-I-L-F uh, what is it? P-H-I-L-F R-A-S-E-R, right? Uh, did I get that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. .co.uk, not com. We don't need uh, medieval garb. So, Phil, uh, just a tremendous, tremendous time. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing. And for those of you listening, you, you know your time and attention mean the world to us. Uh, I thank you so much for being here as well. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any of those episodes, go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.